0: Welcome to The Art of Social Media, a podcast by Social Pilot. We host in depth discussions with world leading social media marketing experts that will help you discover the techniques, strategies, and skills you need to use to grow
1: your business using social media. Now, here's your host, Tejaz Meta. In the example where your client kind of invited the CEOs for dinner, that's kind of like building a community, right? It's not something that I,
0: I mean, yeah, that, they happen to have a community building program. It's not something that we would get involved in. I was just used suggest giving that example where traditionally what they've done is is what she did was that she was told to cold call people. And she said, you'll never get through the people to, to come to those dinners. But she said that she could basically not you know, knock a C-suite dinner out in the evening, just sending connections and, and asking people on social media. And as long as you know what to do, but, you know, if you, as long as you have a, a profile where, a C, you know, if a C-suite person looks at you and go, well, you're a spammer, I'm not, you know, you've got to have a profile that's interesting. You've got to have a profile that's going to appeal to them and, and have content on there where they go, okay, this person looks like they can actually help me. Um, it might be worth what while coming to a dinner, it's not just a free dinner, it's got to be worth my while. So, so just an example of where she was actually using social as a way to accelerate the process rather than trying to rely on old fashioned mechanisms that don't work anymore.
1: Sure. Uh, where I was going to was a lot of companies now have started building communities online. So they build communities either on Facebook or they have your own software to build communities What are your views on that? That that seems to be like the flavor that a lot of companies are eager to kind of take on. Uh, Yeah, it seems to be very fashionable. I think that, you know, we've worked with
0: companies that have done it, and it takes a lot of time and effort. And there's a number of things. There's actually, I've I've written, I've got a guy called Eric Doral who works for me, who runs an online, well, he runs an online community. is actually based off a, a podcast that he does. And there's a particular way that he sees it. And a lot of it, I think, what they think is what we're going to do is we're going to get people together and then we're going to sell them shit. And it doesn't work like that. You know, the days of throwing content at a bunch of strangers, you know, was over five years ago. And so, yeah, I think communities, I think communities are really important you can actually build a community online just by connecting to people and being interesting in what you do. Each salesperson can build a community. I think that sometimes people don't recognize the amount of effort that it takes.
1: Yeah, building a community definitely is a big effort. We have experienced it firsthand. So, yeah, but you know, you're right. You don't kind of build a community just to kind of sell things. You're building a community genuinely to help out people, to kind of help each other. It's, it's community-based, it's like sharing things. Learning from each other and helping out absolutely makes a lot of sense. On your LinkedIn profile, I read a case study where you had this engagement where you transformed like four thousand salespeople into online selling experts. You made a lot of mistakes as well. What are your conclusions like? And that kind of inspired you to write the book on social selling, right? So I was working in a big corporate,
0: which is and part of the role was to train people in social selling. And this is back in 2014, 2015, you know, only 60% of the world's population was on social at that time. You quite often got a kickback and said, you know, this, this CFO isn't on social, but we, what we did was that we, we got people to, um, clean up their profiles. We got them to connect to people. Well, we got them to look at other people's profiles before we went, they went to the meeting and then got them to connect. And, what happened was that you would find that certain salespeople would get a response. So I trained the public sector, um, which in the UK is you know selling to government. And they all said, No, we won't work. The people aren't on it. So I said, well, okay, if the people aren't on it, you connect to them and they'll 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 come on it. And then one person was actually there was a tender out and he put out a post, did what we I I've described here about putting out content that was based around that particular business issue of that particular tender which was about financial systems and the importance of it was a large university and the finance director liked the post and he came to me and he said wow this works now remember this is back in 2015 wow this works you know it's clear that the person I've connected with it took the time to connect with the person they've liked the post clearly that they're They've read the post. Well, they may not have done, but they may have done. But the thing, the fact is that they liked it. And what he's seeing is that the is the fact that you're able to influence people on social and part of that during the buying process. So that was that was one of those points where he then went and told everybody else. And then you get a certain amount of more people coming on board and going, Okay, well, if Nigel can do it, I can do it, you
1: know. Interesting. And you made some mistakes as well in that engagement, it seems.
0: Yes. Well, yes. I think one of the the, the things that we, the biggest mistake was assuming that just by telling people you could make a a shed load more money, that they would go and do something. And, you know, you'd go, you'd present to the salespeople and say, if you do this, this, and this, you'll make more money. And and they just sit there, you know, reading the paper or something, because it means a change of, of behavior. So you'd get LinkedIn, who would then demonstrate how to use Sales Navigator, and nothing would happen. And this is the thing that what we learned before we set up the company was that because you're teaching people to do something different, it's a change in behavior, you need to explain to, you need to do it using change management techniques. And that's one of the, one of our unique selling points, which is the fact that, we don't turn up with a whole bunch of PowerPoints and say, click, you need to do this, click, this is this needs to be here. This is a, what we do is that we use change management techniques to actually get people to to, to make the change. So you're, you've got the people motivated to make that change rather than just sitting there saying, I've been in sales for 25 years and there's nothing you can teach me. And I've been in many, many meetings where they sit there with the arms folded doing that.
1: Interesting. It becomes a challenge to kind of, Train people who've been in the field for quite some time but at the same time people who are already in the field of social selling right they need to learn new things as well because social media is constantly changing right what are the current trends that you're seeing that are impacting social selling it changes a lot and has
0: changed a lot which is one of the reasons why i updated the book i think there's been that that movement where people now recognize that they need to do it and they're probably in more in denial than anything else We've seen this, this move to actually what we talked I talked about earlier on, which is about digital dominance, about how you can actually take your business and be the market leader. And that's not just in sales, but also, for example, if you're talking about your culture, your ESG program, your diversity program, your STEM program, your... You know, all of those things, and everybody's talking on it, not in a stale brochure way, but in an empowered way. What you'll find is that you'll become the employer of choice because that's where people will go. That's the company I want to work for. And that's what the modern uh, job hunter is working, is, is doing. Now, we seem to be in this position at the moment where some people say we're in a sort of session, and some people saying we still can't get the staff. I'm not quite sure what it is. But, what we do know is that the way that people are looking for jobs is that they're coming online and they're looking at the C-suite, they're looking at the what the company is doing and making decisions based on that. The next thing is that what we're seeing is that this big is this movement away from the physical world and the digital world. So, the physical world, I'm sitting in the physical world right now, but as soon as I go on LinkedIn, I'm in the digital world. and what I need to do is I need to have the skills as a employee to understand how to navigate that. That's not how to use LinkedIn, but as I talked about earlier on, how to walk digital corridors and, and have digital conversations. It's now, it's now a skill I have to have, just as much as I have to have Excel, Word or PowerPoint skills. So there's a, an article by the World Economic Forum that came out today, I think, which actually says, that soft digital skills are critical for business today. So what we're seeing is that this, this movement to actually having digital skills. And then what by providing different digital skills, what you're doing is that you're able to get people to actually have to start having digital processes. Because so far, what you, what people have done when they talk about digital transformation, and I did it myself when I worked at corporate, what I was selling was actually an application. It wasn't digital transformation. People replaced their accounting system with another accounting system. It didn't give you digital. So for example, what you're able to do with digital is we have a company of clients called D- Display Technology in Cambridge. They don't use recruitment consultants or place job ads anymore. And they don't do that because they're on social and people come to them and say, can I work for you? So when we talk about digital, we talk about starting to, to work with the business differently, to actually strip out costs that you are car- carrying because of the you're still doing stuff from the physical world and actually starting to optimize and make efficient the company that you're running in the digital world. And that's fundamentally different. And what we're seeing, you know, Cyberhawk, display technology, is that they're stripping out cost, being more efficient, more profitable by actually making this transition into digital. Digital being the people and the process, not the applications. The other thing that we're seeing is that this big change, which is the, in effect, what digital provides us with think about the us when it first the first started as a country you had a whole bunch of people down the the east coast and then some people said well i'm going to get in a wagon and i'm going to drive west and i'm going to find this piece of land and i'm going to stake it out and i'm going to say this is this is ours and what we're finding in the B2B space is that we're, that people are, are becoming or they're talking about becoming the leading technical, commercial, digital influence in, in the market or vertical. And we ask this question of leading C-suite people all the time. Who is the leading technical, commercial, digital influencer in your market or vertical? Now, if they know the answer, then they're behind. And they already have to try and catch up. If they don't know the answer, they have an opportunity to basically stake out that claim. Now, what you'll find in the world, in the the digital world, is that you can basically set up a podcast or whatever. You know, just think: here I am. I'm the most influential person in the world around social selling. My company's only got 15 employees. We don't turn over a lot. You know, why isn't the most influential person in social selling in McKinsey or PwC or KPMG? Well, because they don't understand this. And the thing is, is that what I'm able to do is I'm able to stick that flag in the poll in digital and I'm able to say this is the world according to social selling. And I've done that through podcasts, and I've done that through books. But all these organisations, IBM or well that, don't understand it, and therefore are not doing it. But this is the opportunity that other organisations have, and it's a classic David and Goliath situation. You can decide whatever you want to own, and you can go and put stake that put stake that claim. So we work with a, one of the people that work for me works for me covers oil and gas. He lives in Scotland. He works with a company called OGV Energy, which is Oscar Golf Victor Energy. You can find them on LinkedIn. What they're doing is that they're staking their claim in digital. They're running, a, um, they're running various different things from a digital perspective. Now, they've actually come from a magazine perspective. So they've come from a legacy. And what they're doing is that they're making the transition over to digital to see what it is, that the way that they want to go. But what they're doing is that they've said, right, I'm, we're going we're to be the oil and gas people in this area. And their competition are going going absolutely ballistic. And then he swore that. They're going absolutely ballistic because they don't know what to do. And this is one of the the really interesting things is that, you know, social selling, you know, has been around. Well, my book's been around since 2015. There's been so many things and changes that are taking place and it's changing all the time. COVID accelerated. It, But there's so many things and opportunity for organizations to actually pick this up and run with it. And when you've got people like Chris Fleming at Cyberhawk, who did it two years ago, it shows how far behind organizations are. And, you know, this is critical. If people want to come out, you know, if we have a recession coming and we're going to go into a recession, it will be the digital companies that come out. And one of the things that I'm passionate about and I'm very scared of is the employees that are working for organizations where their C-suite doesn't understand this. Because if the C-suite don't understand this, they've got problems because they don't understand the new digital world. I've just come off a call with a marketing agency whose CEO says, I'm not going to get involved in social. And I said, I'm sorry, but your company is going to go downhill. Because if you don't understand the modern bar, you don't understand the modern job hunter. You don't understand the modern investor. You're not going to be around. This is a, the fourth industrial revolution. It's the bigger move as from you know, from steam power to electricity. This has transformed the world. I'm not talking about futures. I'm talking about stuff that people did two years ago. and this is this is the interesting thing. This is going to sort out, a number of organizations and organizations have to get on board with this. Otherwise, they're not going to be around.
1: That's a very powerful message, Tim. It kind of uh, definitely should scare organizations that are not digital. But, you know, there's an opportunity for everyone. If an oil and gas company can become a digital leader in some space, anybody can, right? Oil and gas is as far, yeah.
0: Absolutely. You know, there are lots of organizations that would see themselves as fairly old-fashioned but it's that old-fashioned where they say, come on, you know, let's take the medicine. Let's absorb this. And let's, you know, we see we see the change. You know, everybody has a mobile phone. Everybody buys in a different way. Why do they come to work and suddenly think it's the 1980s? I don't understand it. And we had a certain amount of traction during COVID where people work from home. So there was that merger and, and people started merger. And then, you know, I see people go pictures of them out in conferences, it's like, really? I mean, are people really going to conferences?
1: I'm not. Old habits, old habits. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the funny thing is, is they take, they take these photos of, here's us at the conference. It's like, well, there's no customers on your stand.
1: Yeah, makes a lot of sense. We saw a lot of uh, uptick in influencer marketing as a preferred technique. Does, do influencers have a role in social selling?
0: I think that influencers do. The issue that we have with influence and marketing is that companies still think it's it's in effect paid media. So I get a lot of people coming to me and saying, um, I want you to promote my mug. Okay, right. Well, that's, you know, that's kind of interesting. What do you want me to do? Well, we want you to go on social media and go, I love this mug. It's the best mug I've ever had. It just holds my tea. Isn't it fantastic? You need to buy one just like that. No one's going to, come on. You know, no one's interested in that. Shit anymore, you know that nobody believes it. You know, I get people coming to me and saying, "What we want to do is we want to, we know we're going to do some research, and what we'd like to do is is get you to analyze the research and maybe write, wow, that's interesting. You know, you're going to do some research and you want me to. That's that sounds like a great idea. And then you know, you know, that's interesting, and I think that's something where people will actually read it. But by you know, paid media, in effect, stuff. A lot of the stuff is just paid media now. I would agree that in the B2C world, when Kim Kardashian wears a particular, you know, she's got Gucci shoes on, people go, oh, they're great. I'm going to get a pair of them. So yes, I'm sure you will sell some mugs and i shall sure that you'll sell some Gucci shoes. But really, is that going to change the way, you know, is the CEO of Klein going to look at that and go, that's the mug I want or that's the shoes I want? They're not. They're going to say, I want something that's going to change my business. You can strip out $50 the a cost. Okay, that's interesting. Based on this research, okay, can you come and talk to me about it? That's, that's the change that people are going to want to see from a, an influencer perspective, where they say, I, rec- I see Tim, I know, like, and trust him. He says, this has a change. I think I need to get that company in to talk to me. That's where you'd see influencer marketing making a difference sorry for me to be cynical about influencer
1: marketing i'm just getting your view so you don't have to be sorry absolutely we talked about where social selling is right now and where social media is right now let's talk about future like what does the future look like for social media in general and social selling in particular is metaverse the answer or is there something else
0: i think this social media is going to grow up it's what 20 years old. And I think we've seen a number of changes take place with Elon Musk buying Twitter, Microsoft buying LinkedIn. But I think over the last couple of weeks, I know I've gone and joined lots of social platforms and then I've done nothing about it. Twitter is a fairly good platform and Elon seems to be getting his act together more. I think that there will there will be things, you know, we will carry on and, and mature. From a metaverse perspective, We're probably, from a a metaverse perspective, where we were with social media 20 years ago. So there's a lot of people saying it's a load of rubbish because what they're trying to do is place, they're trying to fast forward it 20 years. We will go into the metaverse. Uh, Web3 will be the place where we will be. That will add massive transformation because if you think about how boring most people's websites are right now, because they all look the same you have to build an interactive website, which is going to turn most CMOs into a complete tailspin. What we have at the moment with the metaverse is basically people are replicating web two in web three. So you've got people setting up shops, you've got people placing adverts, which no one's going to look at. And what we're doing is that we're going to see a far more social aspect in the metaverse, because it's going to be based upon people rather than brands. And I'm talking to you and, you know, we have a, we'll, we'll have a relationship. And so what we'll see is a gradually over the next 20 years, we are going to migrate from where we are at the moment in terms of web two to a more web three environment. I mean, I'm already working with companies from a metaverse perspective where you don't need. The goggles and stuff, which has always been a, a blocker for for people to use. So there's going to be more exper- experiences. It's going to be far more interactive, and that's going to make that's going to change so many things. And I think that we will look back. And laugh at some, you know, just as much as when you see a post on social media saying, this is what Google looked like when it first launched, or this is what Amazon looked like when it first launched, you know, we're going to look at some of the metaverse stuff and we'll laugh at that. We'll probably laugh at the fact that we had mobile phones just as much as we laughed we had Blackberries and the fact, do you, do you remember? I don't know if you remember when the black, you know, the mobile, um, the iPhone came out. It, said, it hasn't got a quirky keyboard. Oh, you can't use it because it hasn't got a quirky keyboard. And of course, now we don't even, you know, People probably don't even remember that. And I think so there is going to be that evolution. And the metaverse is going to make a big impact, certainly over the next couple of years.
1: Interesting. Yeah, uh, it'll be exciting time
0: to watch it. I also. think it's going to be very exciting, yeah.
1: Wonderful. Outside of your clients, Tim, which brands are doing wonderful on social? Which other are the brands that you follow on social?
0: I don't actually follow very many brands. If I follow a brand, it was because I kind of like the brand. There's too much basically push. Marketing going on. If you follow brands on Twitter, it's usually because they're trying to offer 30% off or they talk about themselves and nobody's interested. You know, all they're doing is they're following it because they want to get the 30% off, which isn't really strategic from a company perspective. I've written articles recently about there's a very large organization that has, what is it, about 300,000 employees. They've got, what is it, 7,000 followers on LinkedIn. And when they post something, they only get fifteen likes. Seven of those likes are from the people that from the internal within the company. One of the likes yeah. is from the marketing agency that writes the content, and the other six likes are from randoms. But I can guarantee you they're reporting to their senior mark senior leadership that they're killing it on social and they're not. And when you think about they've got three hundred thousand employees and however many million, and they can only followers, and they can only summon up 15 likes, it shows that no one's listening. It shows that it's not resonating with people. If people are making comments, it's internal people going, oh, wow, isn't that amazing? Because they're looking for a promotion. But most people aren't actually connected to the people they want to be connected to. So none of the people they're trying to influence are actually seeing it. So they're wasting their money. They're wasting their time and wasting their money. And this is the Problem that we have with social is that these people, as I say, will be reporting that they're killing it, and they're not, and they're lying to their leadership. Well, maybe they don't know. It's maybe it's an un, it's an untruth. But this is the problem that we have. I'm not. I'm not seeing anybody out there at the moment. This is the opportunity that people have. I'm not seeing people doing social well. You know, I got someone emailing me today. I've seen your profile on on LinkedIn, and I think I can. I've got marketing that can help me. Really? If you've seen my profile on LinkedIn, you really think that there's marketing that can help me? Well, well, that's really interesting. And they're wasting their time doing this. And this, we've shifted. The world's shifted. We know it. Mobile phones, COVID. Is And we're still playing like we did in the 1980s. So I'm um, sorry. I, I, I'm not a big fan of being bamboozled with um, uh, and shouted at with, by brands.
1: Yeah, interesting. Any individuals that you follow on social that are doing amazing from a personal branding perspective?
0: There's a lot of people that are doing, obviously, my team. Anybody who covers DLA Ignite, we always believe we have to be the high watermark in terms of what we do. We have to walk the walk and talk the talk and, and stuff. But I see there's a, there's a, you know, Mark Schaefer, for example, he's written the forward for the book. I had to have him on board because he's, he's fantastic. Seth Godin is another person of mine, even though he didn't write the forward for the book. I'll forgive you, Steph. There's other people. I mean, I've got Daniel Gussman from Mercer, who is just a person who teaches people in terms of Mercer, the HR consultancy people. She teaches them social media internally. But she's fantastic as herself in empowered. And, you know, she's getting 100 likes and, and stuff, just putting stuff out. And, and it's authentic stuff, which is, again, why I asked her to be part of the book. Um, Anita vaseli at Ericsson, she's currently on holiday. But um, the stuff that she puts out, again, is authentic stuff that, you know, you, you wait for these people to post stuff. You're waiting for it because it's like, that's going to brighten up my day or that's going to give me some, I'm going to learn something. I think it was Seth Godin that said that um, if you send out, if you've got an email marketing list, is um, what you should do is you should not send it one week or whatever, one month, and see how many people ring up and say, I didn't get the the email that you usually send out. And that shows you whether it's useful or not.
1: Interesting. I'm going to check out these people. Jim, so, what are your three favorite books?
0: I've got a couple of ones. This is a classic, which is Crossing the Chasm by Jeffrey a. Moore, It's about... So you talked about startups. If you're a startup organization, you want to take a new product to market, that's the book you have to read and you have to follow it to the letter. There's no shortcuts. I've launched a number of products just using the, the concepts in there, which is the crossing the chasm is the, the bit about how you get acceptance for new products. Fantastic book. This is fun as well. This is new out. This is, happens to be... It is Kogan Page, which is my publisher but this is uh, nancy Haha, which is one i've read recently which is using behavioral science in marketing she goes through all the different cognitive biases and gives an example and how of of how it's used, how you have that blockage in your head and how you can use it in marketing. It's a great fun book. She uses loads of case studies. I just had her on my podcast and it's a it's just new out and that's well, well worth reading. And I know it kind of sounds technical, but actually it's good fun. And if you're a, a new person, either starting a new job or you're a new leader, then this is a great book, which is The First 90 Days. It's got... Everything you need in terms of templates and advice that if you're, as I say, you're starting a new job, as in you've been promoted internally, or you're starting a job, new job, as in you're going to a new place, you know, and it's got all the things about the, you know, making sure that you work out the politics and how to go in and say the right things and not immediately alienate everybody and and stuff. And that's, that's good fun and, and well worth reading. If you're doing either of those things. So that, that's good fun as well. I wanted to pick three books that maybe other people haven't chosen whether. So, you know.
1: yeah. 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 No, those look interesting. Thanks for sharing. Tim, where can people find you online?
0: The best place to find me is LinkedIn. I'm Timothy Tim Hughes online. On Twitter, I'm Timothy underscore Hughes. Our website is DLAignite.com And the book, Social Selling Techniques to Influence Buyers and Changemakers. Second edition, the one with the yellow cover, is available on Amazon worldwide.
1: Wonderful. It has
0: a lot of the things I've talked about today
1: in it. That's good David, Thank you so much for. You're welcome. The it's show. been fun. Thank you. A lot of insights on social selling. Absolutely. Great question.
0: It's great to turn up to a podcast where somebody has actually sat down and worked out some great questions to ask, delving questions. And thank you so much for that. The Art of Social Media is brought to you by Social Pilot. To find out more about Social Pilot and how we can give you everything you need to hit your social media marketing goals, visit socialpilot.co. And then make sure to search for The Art of Social Media in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click Follow so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Social Pilot,